Okay, um, we're continuing our series, Stand, and so this is part four uh, of that series from the book of Daniel, and I, I really believe that this is going to be a message of hope for many of you. Uh, if you've been praying for a very long time, believing that God would do something significant, and you still haven't seen any results, I believe this message will speak to you. Maybe you've been praying for your children or some other loved one uh, to come to faith in Jesus, or you've been praying for a breakthrough, uh, perhaps to overcome depression uh, or financial deficit, or even a relational breakthrough. Some of you have been praying for your parents. Their marriage is not good, and you don't want to see them uh, divorce. Others are praying for God to heal you or a loved one of cancer or some other serious disease. Others are praying for, for your own marriage. Uh, whatever it is, if you've been believing God for a long time for something significant and you still haven't seen results, I believe that God is going to minister to you in a very special way. In last week's story of Daniel, in the lion's den, uh, Daniel is about 80 years old, somewhere thereabouts, as Craig mentioned to us. Uh, well, this week, in today's message, he's older than that, and uh, so, you know, we could really classify him as an old man. Uh, for decades upon decades, Daniel has been standing firm in faith, believing that God would perform some miracles. I'd seen a number of miracles already, um, but let, let's catch up with the story. Nebuchadnezzar um, had destroyed the temple. He destroyed the city of Jerusalem and captured many of the people and especially a, a number of young promising men that he took back to Babylon in captivity. And so there's this large group of people who are being held in Babylonian captivity. Now, um, Things have changed. Um, Nebuchadnezzar is now dead, and, and there's a new king. We'll catch that in just a moment. Uh, but Daniel has been praying for decades that God would restore the temple, uh, that the Israelites would be able to go back uh, to the promised land. And, and Daniel wanted to see that. Um, he wanted to know that that happened. And, and there's, there's some things going on in the country that make him think that things are coming together and that this might actually happen in the very near future. But in the meanwhile, Daniel receives yet another vision from God that was so disturbing to him that it prompted him to fast and pray for 21 days. So we're going to be looking at basically at chapter 10 of Daniel today. And so I want to begin reading with verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia. Okay, see, the Medes and the Persians have overcome. Um, and so Cyrus is king. Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future times of war and great hardship. 
When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Now that's an interesting phrase. Let me tell you what that means. It means that he didn't bathe for three weeks. That's when they applied this special lotion uh, after a bath. Uh, this is part of his fasting. Okay, picking up with verse 4. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the front bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. Now, quite honestly, verses 5 through 8 sound like John's vision of Jesus in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. Now, this appears to be one of several appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, we've not been officially introduced to him. As a matter of fact, we don't really get that introduction until his birth and the announcement of his birth. And then we see him throughout his ministry, and then at the end of the ministry, his sacrificial death and resurrection. But there are several times in the Old Testament where Jesus uh, appears. Now let me explain. Um, we have what the Scripture calls the Godhead, which is made up of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Together they make up the Godhead. We call it the Trinity. Now, Trinity is not used in the Bible, the term Trinity, which means three. But it has to do with the fact that there are three people that make up this, this Godhead. Uh, God the Father's primary role we see in the Old Testament. Jesus' primary role we see in the New Testament, beginning with his birth all the way up through to his ascension into heaven. But then Jesus told his followers that he was going to leave uh, them the Holy Spirit uh, who would bring to their remembrance all things and teach them all things, guide them supernaturally because there was no Bible, no New Testament. It had not been written yet, and they needed direction uh, in order to do that and to do it well, to do it properly, and for it to be inspired and so uh, from that period on all the way up to today, we're living in the age of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit primarily is, is working uh, in, in the world today. And so the Holy Spirit indwells Christians. And that's one of his primary responsibilities. And also brings people who are outside of Christ uh, into conviction of sin, uh, righteousness, and judgment to come. So 
Today, this message, I believe, will move some of you. Others, you're just ready to go out to lunch. Well, Daniel chapter 10, let's pick up with verse 8. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face on the ground. Now, remember, we we read in the text that Daniel was the only one to see this vision. And yet, the men that were with him, they knew something was going on. They knew something really significant was going on, and they were afraid because the text tells us that they went and hid. Now, it's not unusual in the case of a vision like this for only one person to see it. You see, the same thing happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. And so all all the entourage uh, of officers that he was taking to arrest Christians in Damascus They were there, but only Saul saw the vision. Only Saul heard the words of Jesus as Jesus revealed himself to him. And uh, for that matter, you look at the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation uh, was written primarily to the church. It wasn't written for the benefit of the world. And so its primary theme I know it's got a lot of visions and things like that and images in it, but the primary message of the book of Revelation is no matter what you go through, the distress, the persecution, in the end, we are victorious. And so God was revealing to the Christians some of the things uh, through these images that they would experience uh, in life, but but he, he provided it for them, the book, Uh, to encourage them uh, during that period. Okay, so for some of you, uh, seeing a vision or getting a picture or focusing specifically on God will happen during worship. You'll sense the presence of God. And you might lean over to the person next to you and saying something like, wow, you know, Isn't that awesome? And they're going to respond like, yeah, the coffee's free. And it's not half bad. And I really like the donuts. So we're going to have two different responses to the message uh, today. Um, And that's what happened to Daniel. Uh, The other guys with him, they did not experience the benefit of the vision. And, And I believe that there are some of you today who will experience a moment like Daniel's uh, where you're going to hear from God because I'm trying my best to present his word, his message, not my word or my message. And so uh, it's like heaven opens up and you're going to feel like somewhere during the message, reading the scripture, that God speaks directly to you while other people will not be impressed Uh, by the service. Now, this happens because God has something to show you. God has a message for you. So Daniel's reaction is really common to anyone who has had a 
person-to-person experience with God uh, or with Jesus or even angels. Um, The strongest of men, you see, can't bear the weight of the glory of God. And so human beings, we tend to lose strength when we are in God's presence. And this is what happened uh, to Daniel. Daniel stood strong in his faith, even when confronted with negative events about to take place. And so, you know, God was revealing to him wars and and so on, and this distressed Daniel because he was hoping the Israelites would get to return to Jerusalem. They'd rebuild the city walls and rebuild uh, the temple. But here's the thing. There are three things to remember when you are standing in faith. Number one, God cares more about you than you do. Now, I know that's going to seem really strange to some of you because you're the most important person in your life. And everything focuses around you. Uh, But God actually cares more for you than you do. Daniel chapter 10, verse 10. Just then, a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to to say to you. Now, here's the, the thing. We're all very precious to God. Here's where we get our self esteem, you know. Girls, ladies, you don't have to look like Barbie to have a good self-esteem. Guys, you don't have to be muscle-bound and look like these bodybuilders to have a good self-esteem. You have your worth and your value, which comes from God. And he says that you are very precious to him. Okay, he continues to Daniel, Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Uh, If you ever get in the presence of God, you too will tremble. That's a a normal response for human beings. Now, it is my prayer that some of you have this kind of a moment today. It may not be many of you, but you will hear something from God that's going to move you And you're going to leave here a different person because out of the message, out of the worship, God had something special just for you. God will lift you up. That's what God's all about, lifting up his people. I'm going to read the words from an old hymn that was composed from this passage. It goes like this, and don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. You wouldn't want me to. Um, From sinking sands, he lifted me. With tender hands, he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me. Now, the hand of God never extends to condemn. It always extends to lift, to lift us up. That's God's purpose. So just like Daniel, you are very precious to God. 
You're valuable to him. He loves you. He cares about you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing that you can do that would make him love you less. Even when you sin, even when you go astray, God still loves you and cares about you and tries to draw you back in your relationship with him. God loves you because that's just not what he does, but who he is. Several times, the Bible tells us, God is love. I have to be honest with you, I love a lot of people who are not precious to me. Now, my wife is precious to me. My children, Brad and Becky, are precious to me. My grandchildren are precious to me. My number two son, Ken Hoke, you'll see his picture at the end of the service, is precious to me. My right hand, Craig, is precious to me. My left hand, John, is precious to me. I love my neighbors, but they're not precious to me. God looks at you with the same kind of love a father has for his children. Okay, so God cares more about you than you do. Number two, God is doing more than you understand or that you're aware of. Chapter 10 of Daniel, verse 12. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, okay, that's the period that he was praying and fasting, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now remember, this is Jesus speaking to Daniel. And so, what we learn from this text is that God hears our prayers from the very moment we first begin praying. We have become so accustomed to fast food restaurants, instant foods that we can put in the microwave and are, are ready almost instantly, instant messaging, that we expect instant answers to our prayers. And so when we don't get a response immediately, then we feel stupid. Like, why bother? You know, God's not going to do anything. Nothing is going to change. God probably doesn't even care. It must not be in his will. Here's what we need to understand. God's timing doesn't always mesh with our expectations for a response. For 21 days, Daniel prayed and saw nothing. I mean, he had no response of any kind. Now, in verse 13, Jesus explained to Daniel what was going on in the spirit world. Okay, we're not we're not aware of the spirit world because we're in this physical world and the only thing that we know 
is what happens in our world. Uh, but Daniel is being revealed here, some things that were happening uh, in, in the spirit world. This is supernatural. You know, this is kind of like Star Wars weird. Um, what, he, what he introduces to us here. Uh, but I want you to get ready because this is really cool. Jesus said that the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia ran interference with his mission. Now, he's coming to answer Daniel's prayer, but he is prevented from accomplishing his mission by this spirit prince of, of Persia. Okay? So he's told, the first time you prayed, God heard your prayer. And here's the thing, God loves a persistent prayer, okay? Distinct from prayer, though it's spelled the same way, um, it's a person who prays. God loves someone who prays persistently. He loves when we cry out to him. He loves the faithful, persistent prayer of his saints. But even the first time you called on him, heaven heard your prayer. The first time you cried out in faith, believing, heaven opened and God heard your prayer. Now the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia is, I know you're wondering who is this, uh, is most certainly a demonic force or spirit. Now, let me back up, give you some background here. Before the creation of the world, uh, there were a number of angels around God. We have God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and a bunch of angels. Well, a number of angels, along with Satan, believed by many to have been an archangel uh, like Gabriel and Michael, these angels rebelled against God and became known in Scripture as fallen angels. These appear to make up the demonic forces that do battle against the church, uh, God's kingdom in the world today. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul clarifies, he says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're fighting a war, but it's not a war against other people. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. This is the spirit world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. This is not the dwelling place of God. This is the heaven above the earth. Some of you have been praying and praying. Uh, the first time that you cried out to God, he released his angelic beings, and they're doing warfare on your behalf in a way that you don't understand. So my challenge to you is to keep praying, just like Daniel did. You may not see anything, but you have no idea what kind of battle is going on in heavenly realms from a God who loves you so much that he's working behind the scenes uh, to do things that you can't see and you wouldn't even understand 
because he cares about you. And the kingdom of light will overcome the kingdom of darkness. Much of what is going on behind the scenes, we don't even know. We might not even understand. But God is at work. So the big key here is to trust God that he is at work on our behalf. How do you keep standing in faith? How do you remain faithful? Because you remember that he cares more about you than you do, and because he's doing way more than you understand. But then the third thing is God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He had this uh, thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it is. A lot of people believe it was a person. Um, but anyway, it caused him a lot of, uh, a lot of pain, maybe mental, maybe stress, maybe anxiety. I don't know. Uh, but here's what he said. But he said to me, he's talking about God, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect, complete, flawless in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. When you get to the end of your strength, then God will take over. God will step in. You know, we, we like to do things on our own. We don't like to ask for help. Um, we, we have this real uh, high regard for ourselves. Uh, and a lot of people in society today actually worship themselves. They are their own God. And we have to get away from this. We have to understand that we are weak, uh, but that God is, is strong. Daniel chapter 10, beginning with verse 17, How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord, my strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. And so, until you fully understand your weakness, you'll never appreciate or experience God's strength. The two are tied together. And that's where some of you are right now. Your strength is going. You've been hanging on, maybe in your marriage, hanging on for the sake of the kids. Financially, your strength is gone. You can hardly breathe. But when God touches you again, you will feel your strength returning. Now, for some of you, that's exactly what you need to hear. You know, boom, right there. This is your God moment. One touch and your faith is restored. One touch and you're coming back to Christ. One touch and you're believing God for that thing that you stopped believing God for years ago. 
One touch, and it's enough to keep on going. One touch, and your strength is returning. One touch from the presence of Christ, and everything changes. A note of caution. Make certain you are praying and living in the will of God. A lot of people are praying inappropriate prayers. What do I mean by inappropriate prayer? Let me give you some examples. An unmarried couple who are living together in a sexual relationship are praying that they not get pregnant. That's inappropriate. They're living in a sinful state. A married man is having an affair with a woman at his office, and he's praying that his wife doesn't find out. That's inappropriate. His relationship with this woman is sinful. You're selling illegal drugs on the street, praying that the police don't catch you. If you are sinning, the very best thing that could happen to you is to get caught. Now, that might offend some people, but that's the best thing that could happen to you because typically only then will you change your life. Make, make certain, and let me, I don't mean to get sidetracked here, but parents bail their kids out all the time. They get in trouble at school. And so they go in, you know, and they take their child's uh, side and they try to alleviate any form uh, of, of punishment, any form of discipline, and, uh, and, and so the child gets off. Or, or they're, they're racing and get caught by the police, and so it, the parent goes and bails them out, you know, so they don't have to suffer the results of what they've done. Listen, if we sin, we, we need to suffer. We need to understand that there is a consequence when we disobey God, when we disobey the law. That's really important. Well, anyway, I'll, I'm back on the subject now. Make certain that you are spiritually focused and not materially focused. We have an issue with this in the United States today. Some people pray for a better job for materialistic reasons. They want a new car or cars. They want a new house or they want to move to a prestigious uh, community. They want a boat. They want recreational property. They want a motorcycle. They want the latest technology toy. And the list just goes on and on. You, you know, the attitude in America today is uh, he who dies with the most toys wins. But that's not true. Sometimes people get a, a new, really good paying job, and I've seen this happen, or a significant raise, and so that encourages them to go out and get into debt because they're going to be able to make the payments. Um, so they get into debt, and they end up losing their job and then they're scrambling to try to keep their heads above water financially to prevent bankruptcy. And so in the process, they pray for God to get them out of this crisis only so that they can get back into the rat race. That's inappropriate. Do you really think God's going to answer such inappropriate, selfish prayers? The thing about stuff, material things, 
is that it's going to burn up at the end of the world. That's it. It's over. It's gone. Its usefulness is long gone. Or when you die, it's going to become somebody else's stuff. So what do you, what do you gain? Accumulation of stuff is a dead-end proposition. You need to determine if you individually are growing spiritually to become more like Jesus, or are you focused on worldly things? Now, let me be just real honest with you. God may do exactly what you're praying for, or he may not. But just because you don't see anything doesn't mean he's not doing something. People are going to look at you and wonder because they know you know, you're praying for this thing. How are you still standing? How are you still hanging in there? You know, you keep praying, but God doesn't seem to answer. And they'll ask why you haven't given up, and here's what you're going to say. Because you don't understand, I realize that God cares for me more than even I do, and I know he's doing way more behind the scenes than I understand my strength is made perfect in my, or his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I've embraced my weakness, therefore I'm tapping into his strength. And what you need to understand is, as I continue to believe with everything in me, because the first time I prayed, heaven heard my prayer, I trust in a God who is good working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that's how I continue to stand. Just because we don't see anything doesn't mean that God's not doing something. Daniel stood in faith. I'm telling you, I'm standing in faith. The question for you, will you stand in faith? You need to seriously consider that. We're going to stand. We're going to sing our closing song here. Uh, it's an opportunity, if you need to, to make a decision for Christ. Uh, we'd be glad to uh, talk to you about your relationship with him. If you need to, to become a member of the congregation, we'd be glad. Uh, if you're a baptized believer in Christ, to accept you as a me member. If you been struggling with some issue and you want you want us to pray for you we'll be glad to pray for you